0: So October the 16th, again, I just want to remind you, if you are interested in participating in prayer ministry, we are actually going to start incorporating prayer into every single Sunday service. And if you'd like to be a prayer partner, then please come to the prayer room at 10 o'clock and uh, we're going to have a little meeting about that and then launch that the very next week. So we're hoping to uh, be able to get that up and running and we want prayer. How many of y'all believe that prayer is an important part of the service, right? That prayer should be involved. So. So if you're interested in participating in that, let me know. Also, many of you know that my wife Jen and I have led teams to Ecuador uh, since 2018. We have participated through a ministry called E3 Partners and have done some short-term mission work in Ecuador. I have fallen in love with the country, got a great relationship with uh, the national leader who is there, and we have an interesting and great opportunity for you. On October the 30th, everybody say October 30th. So on October, th- October the 30th, we are hosting an informational luncheon after service at 1230 in the great room. My mother-in-law, who's the assistant medical director for E3, will be here. We're going to talk through different details. If you are interested, we are leading two trips next year to Ecuador, back-to-back weeks. So you can go for one week or you can go for two weeks in the first uh, the first two weeks of July. And so we'd love to be able to tell you about different information about that and kind of answer any questions of what it will look like. It's a medical Slash evangelism, slash many other different type of trip, uh, and so we'd love for you to participate in that. So if you're interested, come for free food and come to hear the information, and we'd love to be able to hopefully have you on the team. Okay. Now that that is all said and done, if I've had not had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Pastor Adrian Pina, I have the opportunity to serve here as the interim pastor here at Firewheel Bible Fellowship. Welcome to those of you who are here. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online. We are so glad that you are here. So, we are jumping back into Ephesians, all right? We are almost done with our trek through Ephesians. So, last week, just to bring us back up to speed where we were, last week we looked at the uh, second part of chapter four where we looked about. We uh, saw three things about ministry that Paul brought to us out of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. Number one is we saw that we are gifted for ministry, that every believer has a spiritual gift that God has given to them to be able, and He distributes to them because Christ graciously distributes spiritual gifts to His church. The second thing we saw is that we are equipped for ministry. We talked about offices of the church, those being uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We actually did a little theology last week and talked about why we don't believe the office of apostle and prophet is not functional today. But we did talk about how evangelists and pastor, teachers, and then other leaders of the church are still functional because they they function to equip believers for the work of ministry. Because how many of you know that ministry is a team sport? ministry is not something all of we're all called to ministry y'all believe that y'all all are called to ministry we are a royal priesthood a chosen generation Peter says we are all called to ministry And then lastly, we talked about how we are to mature in ministry. We grow into Christ, and a lot of what we're going to be talking about this week actually plays exactly into what he just finished off in saying, that we grow into Christ. So as a church and as healthy believers, because healthy things grow, we grow individually, we grow collectively as a church, as we grow into Christ. And we saw that our one true statement was that Christ equips His church for His good work. So today we're going to look at what does it mean now that we are believers in Jesus, we are now in this thing called the church, we're being equipped, we're spiritually gifted and being equipped then to do the work of ministry, what does it look like now for us to have this new life in Christ? What does it mean to be this new person in Christ? So today Paul is going to talk a little bit about the new self in relationship to the old self and he's going to make a comparison to those two and that's what we're going to focus on today. Now... How many of you when you come out the shower in the morning or if you prefer a bath, whatever your bathing method of preference of choice is, when you come out and you're all clean, go ahead and put on dirty clothes. Any of y'all actually go ahead and just put on dirty clothes after you've been all cleaned? You take your time in the shower, you resting under that rain head, you doing the exfoliating, you getting all clean, you doing all that stuff just to go on and put some old dusty, crusty clothes on. Do you go into your dirty clothes hamper and pull out some dirty clothes to be able to throw some dirty clothes on? That would be absurd, right? The reality is is that you are not going to put on the same clothes, the same dirty clothes because if you did, you would cancel out the benefit of the shower that you just took. It would be real quick for your body to absorb and to take on some of that doesn't pass the smell test once you put it back on, okay? When you clean the inside, you want the outside to match. So clean body equals clean clothes, right? So you clean your body, then you go ahead and you put on your clean clothes. Now, let me make a spiritual connection to what I just said, even though we chuckled about It's when we come to faith in Jesus, your internal person has been cleansed by a bloodbath. We just celebrated communion, and Ashby actually just talked about how that Christ paid the price for our sins. So when he paid the price for our sins through the shedding of his blood, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, it's like internally we have been cleansed. We have been washed under the blood. We have received this cleansing from Jesus. But even though we have been cleansed, sometimes we like to put on old clothes. Got real quiet in here real quick. I'm not the only one who falls victim to this, right? Sometimes we like to put on the old man, we put on the old clothes, we go back to what is comfortable, we go back to the closet of sin and we pick off that nice thing off the hanger and we put it back on. Even though we've been cleansed. And then the external is not reflecting the internal reality of what has happened. The Lord wants us to take off the old clothes because they do not fit with our new cleansing. Amen? God wants us to put that stuff off. It doesn't reflect what he's done internally. He wants us to put it off and to put him on, to put on Christ, to grow into Christ. So here's my one true statement for you today. When it comes to us being in Jesus, it is out with the old self and in with the new self. Out with the old self and in with the new self. If you have your Bible, your electronic device, whatever way you want to follow along, uh, open up to Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to find ourselves starting in verse 17. So Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17, and we're going to see three basic movements through this passage today. We're going to talk about the old self, we're going to talk about the mind, and then we're going to talk about putting on the new self, okay? So let's start at verse 17. Paul is going to begin by describing some of the characteristics of this old self. Look at verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of hearts. Let's keep going. They have become callous. They have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, But that is not the way that you learned Christ. Emphatically, he then makes the change. That is not the way that you learned Christ. Look at verse 21. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. I love this. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. All right, let's unpack this a little bit. First thing I want to mention is that Remember when we utilize the word Gentiles, when you see the word Gentile, it not only refers to ethnically, people who are outside of Israel, but oftentimes, and in this context, it was used negatively. It was a word that was used to negatively represent Uh, The lifestyle of people that were outside of the people of God you had this blanket statement thrown of Gentiles So Paul's saying the Gentiles had a way of living that was very much not like that They were in Christ and he tells them about being sensual callous all these other different things he's talking about so he's using this term as a negative term to describe those who are unbelievers or disconnected from the people of God and It would seem to make sense, right, that if you're not a person of God, then your life would not necessarily reflect godly characteristics, right? So the Gentiles in Ephesus were particularly sinful. Here's a little cultural background about Ephesus. Ephesus was a leading city of commerce and culture in the Roman Empire. It was the home of the pagan temple of Diana, which was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Worship of Diana involved the worst immorality of pagan religion. This made Ephesus a wicked place of negative influence, indeed. Temple prostitution, crime, immorality, idolatry, every conceivable form of sin abounded. Doesn't sound much different than our world today, right? And they didn't even have social media. They couldn't even put it on Twitter or TikTok. So many of the Christians in Ephesus came out of that kind of background. In contrast with that evil background, that's why Paul makes his appeal, don't live like that any longer. That is not how you live in Christ. That's why he said in verse, but that is not the way that you learn Christ. Don't live like that. Don't live under idolatry, sensuality, callousness, all these other different characteristics. That is not how you learn Christ. Verse 21 and verse 22, let me just read those again. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, put off your former old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. When you read that passage together, those two different verses, it makes kind of an interesting connection that we need to see here. What I think Paul is really trying to tell us is that when we are in Christ and we heard about him and we place our faith in him, then... Knowing about him then leads to a change in our actions. So we can say right belief changes and turns into right action, okay? Because when we are in Jesus, it's not just enough to know Jesus. Do you believe that it's not just enough to know Jesus? You can know Jesus informationally and not know him transformationally. It's important to know Jesus transformationally. So it needs to go beyond the realm of just what we know about him. But based upon what we know about him, Paul's making the assumption and he's rightfully makes this conclusion, and I would conclude the same. If you say you know Jesus, you should live like it. Last time I checked, if you say you know him, live like him. We are called little Christ, Christian. I am not ashamed to wear that badge and I sure hope that you're not. So put off the old self. That is something we do, that's an active term. Notice he says, put off the old self. He's telling you. He's putting the impetus on you. You're the one to do that. Put it off. Put off the old self. It's a choice, it comes with its old desires, its thoughts, its former way of life. The metaphor of old self reflects this old way of life that was corrupted, that was a corrupted state that did not reflect Jesus. It reminds me a lot of, if you go back a number of weeks ago when we talked about Ephesians chapter 2, the beginning first three verses when Paul is describing what they looked like before they came to know Jesus. He's saying. These Gentiles are living this way, and you are now representing lifestyle of Gentiles. You have now come into Christ. Put that stuff off. Stop picking up the old clothes. One commentator says it this way. Here is one of the sobering realities of Scripture, that this side of heaven we will battle with the old self and the new self all the time. Once we were saved and brought into new life in Christ that's been given to us, we are new, new creations. That's an identity marker. That's 1 Corinthians 15. We believe that. We become these new creations in Christ, okay? But there's now a radical discontinuity between the new self and the old self. It's not, however, a total discontinuity. A link still remains between the old man and the new man. Do you feel that tug in that battle every day? Do you feel sometimes I feel like the song says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. It's so easy to drift and prone to wander. I feel that tug internally no, longer, no matter how long I've been a Christian because as long as you wear this earth suit called flesh, you will battle with the old man. You have to make a choice to go to the closet and every day to put on Jesus. To put him on, you make that choice every single day. Every day you will have to choose to put off your old self. It's a conscious thing we have to do. Every day is a day, a new day to walk in faith. So I say that in not a judgmental way, I say that as a person who totally struggles with this reality every single day, but I also say that to you today in hope, because today is the first day of the rest of your life. Today's a new day, yesterday's gone. So if yesterday you put on the old self and you walked in here, praise God, you made it by His grace and mercy. You're here today, you can put on the new self today. Yesterday's gone, don't let that dirty rotten devil talk to you about yesterday because your identity is in Christ and you can put him on today. Leave it where it belongs. Let's put off the old self and put on the new self. Look at verse 23. In order to do that, there has to be a change in the way in which we think. There's an old pattern of thinking that needs to be dealt with. Verse 23, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So after he tells us all about this old self and to put off the old self, as he says at the end of verse 22, put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through its sinful desires. Then he tells us, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Our minds have to change if our actions and attitudes are going to follow suit. Now here's something interesting. So in the original language in the Greek, the word renewed is a passive verb. Think back to when you were in English class. What does it mean when something is passive, when it's a passive verb? When it's a passive verb, that means that the object of that verb is the one receiving the action. So this is something that God does, this is a partnership between us and God, and God is the one who helps renew our minds here. Now here's where this is important, what, is our, what are we to do then in order to allow ourselves to be renewed by God as He's doing the action to us? I believe we need to yield, we need to yield, and we need to tap into what we have learned about Jesus. So what we do is we yield to God's work, we surrender in humility, and we recognize that we are utterly and completely dependent upon Him, and then we yield to His work as His Spirit's been working in us, and we, we do the things that we know to do. We do the things like washing our minds with the Word, protecting the things in which we see. Being around positive influences and other Christian believers and and brothers and sisters, all of those things, that's partnership with God so God starts renewing and rewiring, for lack of a better word, our minds. Sometimes we got stinking thinking, y'all. Sometimes God needs to rewire that stuff, get the old stuff out of there. So here's a principle for you. How you think will affect the way that you act. Believe that wholeheartedly, the way in which we think directly has a correlation to the way we act. Now here's something interesting about our minds. Most of the time when we think about our minds, depending upon a picture you have in your head, maybe you think of like some filing cabinet that has this big row of files where you tap into all these different things and everything's in a nice sequence and in order that's not really how our minds work our minds really work instead of being one massive organism it really is a compilation of a lot of different small things i want you to think of your mind like a big pile of rocks all right your mind is like a big pile of rocks in comparison to one big boulder in order for us to change our mind we need to carry like thousands of these little rocks from one pile into another pile Okay, I was thinking one way, so it needs to be rewired, I need to carry all this stuff into another pile to be able to think another way. This is actually very scientifically uh, very appropriate. Do you know that it actually takes the brain a very long time to change neural pathways for our attitudes and our actions to be able to change? People can change, neurologically speaking, it's just not easy, and it takes time. They're not created that, that quickly. You might be able to get a tiny percent of someone's brain to rewire to a new belief in a given short amount of time, and maybe in a conversation, but minds change slowly in very unpredictable ways, science has showed us. But here's the thing I want you to make this connection. Think about this for a moment. Think about something that you have believed and held your whole entire life. Maybe you've had this experience before you've believed and held something your whole entire life, then all of a sudden somebody presents new information to you. And somebody tells you about something else. Maybe it's something that you even believed about the Bible, maybe it's something much more simplistic, but somebody tells you something else and then you're like, your first immediate reaction you ever notice is defensiveness? And your first immediate reaction oftentimes is like, I don't believe that. Or your first immediate reaction is like, well, you know, you start questioning immediately. Why? Because your brain is saying, that's new information and I don't know what to do with that information. I don't know what to do with that yet. I don't know if that's really the right thing. Before we came to Christ, we had a certain way in which we thought. But after we come to Christ, our hearts are changed, but our minds are a battlefield that is one, one battle at a time. Every day it's one battle at a time that is, is waging on in our minds that is one, one at a time. As we are exposed to the Word of God, as we are in community with each other, as the Holy Spirit's doing His working and we're maturing in Christ, all of these different things are ingredients that are helping us to be able to change our mind to be able to renew our minds, so that way our way of thinking would then ultimately lead to a difference in our way of acting. God's truth, ladies and gentlemen, needs to always be the overriding voice that you are listening to. There are many, 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 did I say many, many different voices that will be vying for your allegiance And will be vying and and presenting themselves under the banner of reality, that this corresponds to reality, this is how it really is. And and at the end of the day, we have to allow God's voice to be the loudest. We need to put off the distraction, the white noise. We, We need to allow Him to work in our brain. We need to allow Him to rewire our ways of thinking. So that way, we can walk in spirit and in truth. Truth is something we learn, right? Truth is something that is this ongoing process of discovery, okay? Y'all with me? All right, let's go to the last part. Now he's going to talk about the new self, now it gets fun. Verse 24, so then he says, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and in holiness. We need to allow our new self in Christ to govern our thoughts and our actions. We can say it this way, that we have a new identity. We have now been changed, now that we are in Jesus. We'll talk a little bit more about what that looks like. So this new self represents a change of relationship. When we talk about the word righteousness, righteousness talks about this right relationship that we have with God. It talks about positionally where we stand before God as not guilty because we have been Uh, Washed by Jesus as we have been we have received Jesus now that judicially speaking we are not guilty before God But holiness really talks about our attitudes and actions it talks about having morality It talks about being pure in our attitudes and actions So along with this new mind comes a change in actions as we put on this new self this new identity in Jesus Now Paul is going to lay out what are some of those characteristics of this new self look at verse 25 he starts elaborating so therefore, having put away falsehood, that's a good one. Putting on the new self means don't walk in deceit, don't walk in lies. I think that's pretty good. He says, so put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Sounds kind of like what we talked about last week a little bit. How about us being able to speak the truth in love to our neighbor and to those who are in the body of Christ. Remember, he's preaching this, he's, this message is coming to a church. But then he says, for we are members of one another, there's a communal aspect to this reality as it always has been. But then listen to verse 26, be angry but do not sin. Did you know that you could be angry and not sin? That's a hard thing to do, but you could. There is a level of righteous indignation as well where we get mad when we see the effects of sin. Just like God does, he gets mad when he sees sin and it's working. And sometimes there's a level of righteous indignation we get when we see sin and its effects. But we, be, we can be angry, but we do not sin. That's a reflection of the new self. Because those two things are so easy to fall into. It's real easy to fall into anger that leads to sin. But then listen to this. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. This is relational. This is relational. This is a principle that we use all the time with married couples, my wife and I. This is a very good protocol for you guys if you, if you are married here today and you, are, and you have conflict is to make it a conscious decision to not let the sun go down on your anger. So you have at least addressed it. It doesn't mean that you don't revisit the conversation maybe the next day, but that you have at least addressed it so that the sun does not go down on your anger. And then I love the fact that the next verse says, and give no opportunity to the devil. You know we have an opportunistic enemy, right? Right? you know that he is just seeking the opportunity to destroy you. He's seeking the opportunity to destroy your marriage, to destroy your family. He's seeking every opportunity, every step that he can get into, so that way he can actually bring destruction in your path. It reminds me of Genesis chapter 4, the story of Cain and Abel, when it says that the enemy was sitting outside the door just waiting. We have an opportunistic enemy who wants nothing more than to destroy people. He seeks whom he could devour, Scripture says, right? Verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, good idea, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Interestingly, that it's always linked back to this communal idea that the thief would actually do labor, but then he would give what he also has as well. Let no corrupting talk come out of you, out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up as fits the occasion, that it, may be, that it may give grace to those who hear. Let me stop there for a moment. Listen to what he just said. He just said, let the words of your mouth be something that builds up because it is actually a vehicle for grace to another individual. Did you know that through your words you can be a vehicle of grace for somebody else? We are very quick to speak, and sometimes we have Peter syndrome, insert foot and mouth. Our quickness to speak ends up coming across where it ends up hurting people and it doesn't encourage people. It ends up destroying instead of building up. You ever say something to somebody and immediately wanted to take it back and you automatically saw their countenance automatically defloat, de- deflate and it looked like they deflated like a balloon. It looks like you stole their birthday, Right? Nobody ever wants that experience, but you know it when you've done it. You know when you have said something, you're like, oh my God, and I can't take that back. But our words can be like a healing balm, they can be grace to those who hear. But I want to emphasize that verse as well because we like to quote the next verse, but I want you to see it in conjunction with the verse we just read. So look at the next verse. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I think it connects to this idea of our corrupting speech. So our unwholesome words can literally impede the spiritual growth and health of a person and it can grieve the Holy Spirit. Did you know the way that you talk and the way that you act can grieve the Holy Spirit and impede the spiritual progress of another individual? Wow! That's some heavy stuff when you think about it. But this is all an attitude of putting on the new self. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Catch this. I love how he ends this. Be kind to one another. Man, this world can use some more kindness. This world desperately can use some more kindness. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We should just pause and sit there for a moment, just in that reality. Highlight that verse. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And I love the fact that Paul makes this this kind of working list of characteristics, but this all is a relationship to putting on the new self. And to, the putting on of the new self only happens supernaturally when we place our faith in Jesus. So I think that this is only the work that God can do, and he does it in the context of his church. And he's saying, church folk, this is what it looks like to be in Jesus. Actively, as we are working, are we, putting on, we are putting on this new self, this new identity. These are some of the things that are supposed to come out of us as we are doing this thing called life together as the body of Christ. We got any clothes shoppers in the house? How many of y'all like to shop for clothes? Y'all can be unabashedly, unashamed, that's Okay. You know, uh, some I got husbands raising hands for wives. You know, so some don't want to confess. You know, we are supposed to be truthful, so you know, th- let that let that go with it where it may. So that being said, if you're a clothes shopper, you know. Uh, there's something that makes you feel really good about when you pick out the perfect thing and it's got the tags on it and you just can't wait once you try it on in the fitting room. It's like, ooh, man, this just feels nice. And so then it feels nice and then you you take it home and you're like, man, I can't wait to wear this. You already know where the outfit's going to be worn. You already are visualizing people's reaction to the outfit. You already know that you're going to wear this to work this day or you're going to wear it for this event or whatever the case may be. And you're ready to go with your new outfit. And it's got the tags on it and you're just ready. So when you go to the closet that day, that day comes, you go to the closet, you grab out that shirt, you grab out that blouse, whatever it may be, that new dress, you get it all ready, you put it on, it's like, man, something just feels good. You feel good about yourself, you get that good feeling when you wear it for the first time. And man, when when that tag comes off with the scissors, then it's like, oh man, it's mine. It's mine. You feel like you're ready to conquer the world then. You know, this, I think this is a new shirt. This, I think the second time I've worn this shirt. Not here, I haven't worn it before, so you know, this is a new shirt. So I'm like, you know, I've picked it, when I picked it out of the closet, so I'm like, oh yeah, it's a new shirt, you know? So, but here's the deal. When we go to the clothing store and we pick out something and we put it in our wardrobe and it's really nice and we're like, oh, you know, that's great and it makes you feel good about yourself. Spiritually speaking, please hear me. You and I, we have a new wardrobe we have a new wardrobe. In Jesus, we have a new wardrobe. We have a new identity when we put him on. It's not like Clark can't go into the phone booth and coming out Superman, but we got this new identity when we put him on. So when we put on Jesus, we got this new identity, we got this new wardrobe, we wear it proud. We wear it as proud as it does uh, even prouder than when you pick out that new shirt, you cut off that tag and you ready to rock the world. You rock the badge of Jesus even prouder because you know what? You got a new wardrobe on. The King has now clothed you. You are now clothed in his righteousness. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He has clothed you as a son or daughter. He has adopted you. Going back even to Ephesians 1, remember we talked about six different spiritual blessings that we have received from heaven. We receive those when we are in Christ, we are now forgiven of our sins, we are forgiven, we put that on when we're in Jesus. We are now, you know, recipients of His love, we put that on when we, when we come to Jesus. In this new wardrobe, when we wear it, we have a new identity in Christ. And it's a beautiful reality. We put it on. Every day we gotta tell ourselves, and every day the enemy would love to tell you something different. But every day is you have to make the choice to put off the old self. Every day you make the choice to put on the new self. And you say, no, I know what my God says about me. My God says I'm a child. My God says I am loved. My God says I am redeemed. My God says I am forgiven. My God says I am the apple of his eye. My God calls me a friend. He calls me all of those things. So I put it on in Jesus. And I receive it. I wear it. I believe it. Because that's who I am. Faith is a choice. He is your new wardrobe. There's a lot of voices internally within you and externally that will try to influence you and tell you but his voice needs to be louder. When I think about this, I think about what Paul says in verse 15 earlier in the book of Ephesians in, chapter two, uh, in this passage where he talks about that we are to grow up in every way in him who is the Christ, who is the head into Christ. We are to grow up into him in every way in him. Who is the head? Into Christ. When we grow into Christ, we put on this new self. We put on the identity that he gives us. We allow him to speak for who we are. We don't allow our minds, we don't allow the world, we don't allow the enemy, we don't allow all these different things, these external and internal voices to speak to who we are because we are new creations in Christ. Because we are destined for another place. Because our citizenship here on the earth is but temporary. Because my citizenship belongs somewhere else because I belong to a king and I've been clothed with His righteousness put on the new self let me summarize this for you so our one true statement today is that when we are in Christ it is out with the old self and in with the new self don't put on the old clothes don't go back to the closet of sin in that way and put that old stuff on we have this new self in Jesus We talked about the old self as he contrasted that with our old way of thinking and Paul saying that's not how you learned in Jesus, that's not how you learned in Christ, that's the way of the Gentiles, that's the way of the unbeliever, don't live that way. Put on the new self with all these various different characteristics. So that way, that reflects the internal, then reflects externally as well, as we have been washed internally, we then reflect that through attitudes and actions. So how can we put this into practice? Number one is we need to change our thinking. We need to change our thinking. Your mind is a battlefield. Every single day you're waging a war in your minds. Remember I said that it takes a long time sometimes for our neural pathways to be reconnected. You know another way I could say that more simplistically is you know that they supposedly say it takes about two weeks to develop a new habit. A new habit's essentially a change in action, right? It still takes a lot and then when you break that chain, it feels like you start all over again, right? The reality is, is that every single day, we are at war in our minds to be able to submit our minds to Jesus. Do you know that scripture says for us to cast down everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God? Everything. So we have to daily make that decision. So what are you filling and allowing into your mind? What are you allowing to be your influence? Fill your mind with God's truth. You know how to do this. I'm not just talking about read your Bible, that's great. But I'm, just, I'm not talking about just reading your Bible, it goes beyond that. It goes, to, it goes into a place of dependent prayer and saying, God protect my mind today. It goes into being in constant communion with God that when something in the mind immediately comes up that's not of Him, that you say, you stop right then and there, and you say, "God." remove that from my mind, remove that picture. I don't want to look lustfully at my coworker. Forgive me for that. Help me guard my mind, protect my heart. That you're so in tune with the spirit that that's that's the kind of reality that it is. And then lastly, put on Christ. This is a daily battle, this is a daily decision for you to put on that new self. So whether you do that in some representative way, I was thinking about bringing an old shirt that said old me and then like new me or something like that. But honestly, I would would tell you like this, in all sincerity, stand in front of your mirror tomorrow morning while you're getting ready and say, Lord, I make a decision to put on Christ today. Protect my mind, protect my eyes, protect my heart, protect my feet, may my hands be used for you today, all these different things, Lord, I put on Christ today. I put on Christ today. This is so practical and this makes so much sense why this leads into why Paul ends in Ephesians 6 with the armor of God. Wait till we get there, you're gonna see the correlation. Putting on the new self is an offensive mechanism and then the putting on of the armor of God is a defensive mechanism with one offensive weapon and these things correlate to one another. So as we make the decision to subject our minds and our hearts and all those things under the guidance of of the spirit to every day make the decision to put on Jesus, then we put on that armor. And we're like, God, I'm girding up because I know I'm going to war and I know that you're going to protect me and that this world is under the influence of sin, but I know that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. (laughs) He's greater. He's greater. So. If you are here today, under the sound of my voice, and you have not placed your faith and trust in Jesus, then you live under the old self. And today, Jesus wants to give you a new wardrobe. Christ made it so simple for us, it cost him everything, but all it costs us in this way is to receive what he has done, and we receive it by faith. We believe that Jesus came to this earth as a human to be our substitute. He died upon the cross for our sins, that he was buried and that he rose again. And on the third day when he arose he secured our salvation and that he was the first fruits of resurrection so that now we can be raised to newness of life that where he is we may be also. And so that when we place our faith and trust in Jesus then we become, the scripture says, new creations in Christ and our identity is changed and then we put on the new self with Jesus. So I pray that you don't walk out of this place today without doing that if you have not done that today. I'd love to pray with you about it. Let's pray. So Lord, we are grateful for the opportunity that we have to be able to put on the new self. Those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, you have changed us positionally. We have gone from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You have changed our judicious position, Lord, that we are now not guilty. In right relationship with God, we are now the righteousness of God in Christ. But every day, Lord, we battle still with this discontinuity and this, this internal struggle between the old self and the new self. Some days we go to the closet of sin and we pick up that thing and we put it back on when you're telling us that that is not the way that we, have to, that we are to live. We are free in Jesus. We are no longer anchored. We are no longer uh, bound. We are no longer subjected. We are no longer slaves to sin. But we are now free to walk in righteousness. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us by allowing us to yield and to allow your spirit to do the deep work. Help our minds to be renewed, our neural pathways, Lord, to be recreated, that our change in thought would lead to a change in action and attitude. Because, Lord, we want to reflect what it means to put on the new self. Every day to make the choice to put on Christ, to walk this thing that we call the Christian life, because faith is a daily decision. So, Lord, whatever some of us may have walked into this place today beat up this week in realizing that we have put on the old self at times. And Lord, I pray that today is a new day. Yesterday is gone. Grace is new for today. Mercy is new for today. And Lord, I pray that you would give us our daily bread, what is needed and sufficient for today, Lord, to help us to walk in a manner that is pleasing to you. Lord, I know that so many people here under the sound of my voice want to serve you with everything, with their whole lives and live for you every day. But, Lord, I pray that we would realize we don't do it on our own strength, but that we would, as dependent beings, fall at your feet in humility, Lord, and just say, God, may your grace and mercy shower over us today. We want to live for you because we love you. And I pray that for myself, and I pray that that's all of our prayer. And so, Lord, we commit our lives, our hands, our feet, our mouths, our eyes, our minds, all to you. In Jesus' precious and holy name and by the power of the Spirit we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen. If we get you to stand, we'll go ahead and pray our benediction over you to release you. Next week, we're going to jump a little ahead in Ephesians. So, in Ephesians chapter 5, we're actually going to jump all the way to verse 22. Because if you read the first part of chapter 5, it kind of expands further what we just talked about. So, I would encourage you to read the first part of Ephesians 5, but we're actually going to jump into chapter 22 and talk about this whole thing about wives and And husbands and submission and all that good stuff, so that's going to be fun next week. Uh, But I promise it's going to be different than you expect, so, and I promise that this has an application to everybody. So come back next week for that. But as we go, may the Lord go before you to light the path and give you direction. May He go behind you to guide your steps. May He go beside you to keep you from stumbling. May He go above you to protect you. May he go go within you to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And may our Father in heaven always grant to you the character that is greater than your gifts and humility that is greater than your influence. God bless you guys. We love y'all. You are dismissed. We'll see you next week.